Welcome to the Connection Podcast. I'm Jason Keister, the show's producer, here with hosts Drew Boreen and Lexi DeLuna. Let's get ready to connect with somebody new today. Welcome to the Connection Podcast. I'm Jason Keister, the show's producer, and we have a special guest today, Ian Bartels from Springfield Third Ward. Say hi. Hi. And then we got Josh Kruick back. I'm back. Actually, been invited as a recurring host. Awesome. We'll see if you regret it or not. (laughs) (laughs) What's it like to be the bald one in the family? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It sucks. You get the joke. No, no. (laughs) If you, I get all the jokes, and the kids are always like, yeah, especially the. Like my boys are like used to it now, because um, you know I've been shaved my head for a few years, and I didn't have a lot of hair before that anyway. But yeah, they'll, they're the my nieces and nephews are always wondering why why is Uncle Ian bald? Why does Uncle Ian have no hair? He just he just doesn't have any hair, and they're just very confused by that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah, it I get teased about it pretty frequently. I, I, family. Sympathize, I sympathize with it. <laughs> that happens for sure. We were talking earlier. Like I, I'll be at work and somebody will say, hey, you look pretty young for a doctor. And I'll take a compliment, of course, right? But then later I'm out with my mom and people are like, are you guys together? No, oh, man. Right? <laughs> I get the awkward, like people will ask me how old I am. Mm. And when I say how old I am, they're like, oh. Like it just seems <laughs> really... Like yeah, I'm, yeah, young guys can be bald too. It's okay. I'm not not young, but yeah. And you started going bald in your mission. Yeah, I got yeah. So, um, yeah, I noticed it on my mission. I got off the plane, and that was like one of the first things that my family member said to me at the airport was, "Ian, you're losing your hair." And I was like, "Thanks, yeah, I know. I'm aware that my hairline <laughs> is going away." Um. But yeah, it just, it's just slowly, yeah, it's just slowly gotten worse over the years. And so now I just shave it off. And so we both, we both served in Mexico. See, for me, actually, I realized that Propatia was over the counter there. So I just bought Propatia all through my mission, did great. See, I wish I would have known about that. I had, <laughs> no, I bought, I, I, I had a family that was like, they, they were telling me about this shampoo. Um, and, they they swore by it. They were like, our uncle used the shampoo and it totally made his hair grow back. And they were like, you should try it, Elder. And I'm like, okay. Um, and shampoo was typically, like I, I would spend like five pesos on a bottle of shampoo, which was like 50 cents at the time. Um, and they, um, I went in to go get this bottle of shampoo and it came out till it was like 200 pesos. Like it was way more expensive. And I was like, and on my mission budget, I was like, Okay, I'm gonna do this. And my companion was like, "You got to like, like he was like, it's looking bad. You got to do something, you know." <laughs> um, and so I went in and bought. It was yeah. It was like I like I'm trying to think back of how much I had per month. Like after we paid, um, after we paid the rent and everything, we get three hundred fifty. And it was that was a little bit before you. Yeah, I think yeah, I think we got somewhere. I think I would usually come around with about a thousand pesos a month. Um, mm-hmm. so it was like, you know, like a, you know, a fifth of my budget to blow on this, this shampoo. Um, so I used it and it lasted me. It lasted cause you don't use a lot of shampoo when you're bald anyway. And so <laughs> I used, you know, it lasted me like four months and nothing, like nothing happened. My hair stayed exactly the same. 
oh, no, man. angry about it. I was so disappointed. And then I was more ticked that I was like, I spent all that money on that stupid shampoo. Did you read the instructions? I did. It said to rub it in and to like leave it in for like, you know, five minutes before you wash five or 10 minutes. I did it. Like I was, and I was even like rubbing because I was just getting a little indents on the top and oh, I was yeah. like rubbing it in there and waiting the time and nothing. Yeah. It didn't do it. It was very weird. Like it was like grainy. Like you could feel like oh. it had it had stuff in there and just yeah, nothing. Let's hope it was shampoo. <laughs> Man, I'm I'm just laughing because I share your pain. I the other thing okay about going bald early is when people do their celebrity lookalike or double gamer, <laughs> you always get like. The older guy. You into the bald guy. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you look like uh, Patrick Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> like Danny DeVito or something. <laughs> the boy shaved his head for the movie Split. No. Like I would play personality. Oh, I can, I can see it. And I got pulled aside by this lady in the supermarket that was like doing the checkout girl. And she was like, you look like that creepy guy in that. All <laughs> <laughs> those women. And I was like, I, what? I don't even know how to respond to that. That was me. I was, the, yeah, you know, sh- like be quiet. Yeah. Say? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What kind of car do you drive? <laughs> oh man. Oh, yeah, that, was a, so. that was such a fantastic movie that I saw. It one, I don't know if I could ever watch it again, but I watched it once. It's, it's a one-time watch movie. It's definitely a thriller. It's very good, but it was. I never watched the follow-up to that. No, there's, yeah, there's another one. I know my brother went and saw it, but yeah, it was, it was definitely like, yeah, you, you watch it and it was a thriller and it was very intense. And James McAvoy, he, I, he won awards, I believe for mm-hmm. it. Like he, he was just amazing to play all those different personalities, but it was definitely. Oh yeah. It's too much real life for it me. It was creepy. Yeah. yeah it was that creepy. could, that could happen. I go to Walmart all the time. <laughs> I'm just going to say I'm sitting here by Ian Bartels who looks like Jason Statham. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Or The Rock. I could go with The Rock. Yeah. Holy cow. He just <laughs> definitely one of those two though. Yeah. Yeah. And uh we're, we'll just go from there. Um let's get started, Josh. What questions do you have for Ian? So we're gonna get to your questions on the that that you answered first. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh I need you to spill the beans and you gotta tell me what's your biggest pet peeve. Oh, my biggest pet yeah. peeve? Did I write it in here? No, it's no, the question. That's it's just a, not even there. That's a that's a question I yeah, that's a question I like to ask people because uh what's my biggest pet peeve? Yeah. Or top two I, if you can't narrow it down. So I, I grew up in California and I've gotten better about driving. My wife says I've gotten better about driving up here. Because <laughs> in in California, you the the left lane is for, for going fast mm-hmm. and you pass on the right. Like you, that's just how everybody does it. You drive on the left lane, and when somebody's going slower than you want to go, you pull over to the right lane, you get in front of them, and then you pull back over to the left lane and hmm. keep going. So I've gotten but I've learned being up here that that's not the way the rest of the country drives. That you you hang it, you're in the right lane, and then when you're gonna pass, you can move over to the left and then you move back. Um but yeah, I think it's tailgating. Like I hate when I'm in the left lane and I'm passing somebody and I'm I'm going, I don't know, 75 and I'm flying down the freeway and somebody tailgates me. And then I just and I I can't just 
move over it like that bothers me mm. so i do stuff where i like i start slowing down oh man I, I, <laughs> i'll stick i'll stick real close to whatever truck i was trying to pass i'll just go the same speed as them for a couple minutes oh and you block them back and just oh, yeah man. just block them back I, i'm it's it's terrible i can't do it when aaron's in the car because she sees me doing it she's like stop yeah. just move over i'm like no they need to quit tailgating me um yeah so that's a fair point i agree with you on that all those road rage. You ever seen those road rage videos on TikTok? Or- oh yeah. Are we gonna see Ian on there one day? <laughs> uh huh. I don't. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. That's that's really the only thing that really, at least as far as driving goes. Um. Other impatient people when you're already breaking the law. Yeah. Or like, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm like, I'm going 75. I'm passing this truck. Just right. let me pass the truck and then I'll move over. And when they're just like tailgating me, I'm like, no, you're going to wait even longer then. And then, yeah. Pretty reasonably breaking the law. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I will uh, agree. I have the same frustration. I'm not going to say how fast I go, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Certainly is. I mean, once you have been here a while, there's certain areas you just know you can go. Whatever you can just you book want. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think we all know. Like, <laughs> maybe I'm in it here from Bend in less than two hours. I don't know. Holy cow. <laughs> it's really fast. How fast were you going? I wanted to get home. Okay. Jeez. <laughs> all right. All right. Do you want to ask a real question now? Maybe a real question. Okay. So, Ian, the whole state. We're getting a listenership from the whole stake and, and beyond now. So, you know, most people in our ward know you to some extent, but a lot of people in the stake maybe just know the name Bartels. Uh-huh. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, the same intro you might give on your first talk, coming into a new ward, something like that. Okay. Um, well, I as I said before, I grew up in um, Southern California. I've, it's me and my brother, and we got two sisters. Um and so I, I grew up there. It was grew up in the, the nasty desert where nothing grows. The only thing out there pretty is the Joshua trees. Awesome. Um, yeah, right? Like, but yeah, they're just that's the only thing that's beautiful about the I need some. Just a bunch of me's planted just, in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Those trees are really cool, though. I they do are like very those pretty. trees. And yeah. so but that's the only good quality of of growing up in Palmdale. Yeah. Um Anyway, and then I, yeah, so then I, I served my mission in, in Monterey, Mexico, which is northern Mexico. Um, I did serve in a border city for a little bit in Reynosa. Um, and then I moved up here after after my mission. I was um, looking for a job, and it was at, in the middle of the re- recession, and there there I couldn't even get an interview for a job. You're not like Walmart or McDonald's, like nothing. There mm-hmm. was nothing happening. Um so then my brother was already up here in Oregon and going to U of O and he calls me one day and, and says that his roommates get married and his roommates can be moving out. He wants to keep the apartment, wants another roommate, um, asked me if I want to come up here. And I was like, sure. I wasn't like nothing was happening down, <laughs> down, down in California. So I was like, sure. I'll just, I'll could, I'll do that. Um, he was attending the school of music. I went and took a tour of the school of music. I fell in love with it. I was like, that's, that looks great. I was very excited. And, um, he was able, he paid for me for the first couple months and, um, till I was able to get on my feet and get a, got a, got a job. And, um, and then, so I found my way into, 
uh, special education. I can get more into that later. But anyway, I uh, got, got into special education, met my wife. We met at the uh, singles ward. Um, and we were... I, we we like we had met hung out a few times and we started dating a few months down the road and then once um and then after we started dating i think like 6 months after we started dating we got married and anyway so now it's it's us and we live here in springfield we've got three kids peter grant and jane and peter's eight grant is six and jane is two um and i'm still in special education i'm a special education teacher i teach uh life skills so i teach kids with uh I teach kids with pretty significant disabilities. Um, most of my class right now is is has autism, like pretty severe autism, and so they're it, they're nonverbal to a point. You know, mm -hmm. most of my kids are nonverbal or very very little. Um, is there a is there a grade you teach for that, or is it I like teach, an age group? I teach kindergarten through fifth. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah. So, and I, it's going to be changing for next year. I'm very, I found out just a couple weeks ago that, so my space where I've been at this year, cause I, I recently changed jobs at the beginning of this last school year, I went back to Lane ESD instead of, and, um, so it's, it's just interesting. So I'm in Springfield, I'm an, in a Springfield school, mm -hmm. but my employer is not Springfield. I work for Lane oh. ESD and Lane ESD runs the life skills classrooms. Um, not all of them, but most of them, um, in Lane County. And so um, I have, I've, I've been very blessed to have two classrooms. So I have two classrooms right next to each other. And, um, and so we can move the kids back and forth and we use both spaces. It's been, so we have one that we use mostly for like work and whole group stuff. And then our other space is like a sensory break, break area. Um, oh, and cool. then I just found out that they, what they want to do is because they, they need more classrooms, more life skills availability, because we have just so many kids that are applying to get into these classrooms. Yeah. Um, and so they're going to add another teacher and another uh, another staff. And so we'll, so I'll be a teacher. So I'll just have one room next year. Um, but then right next door, I'll have another teacher um, that teaches life skills. And so we'll split them up by grade level. And so I'll, pro I'll be teaching, teaching either kindergarten through second, or I'll be teaching a third through fifth uh, class. That's more manageable. I'm, yeah, much more manageable. I'm super excited about it. I'll, it'll be nice. Cause like when you teach life skills, you're, you're like the only teacher that teaches what you do right. or that does what you do in your entire school. Wow. Um, so I'm super excited to get one right next to me and we'll just be able to kind of team teach and just work together and, um, yeah, I'm super excited. About so is it just, is it just you teaching your one class or do you have assistants? I have assistants. Yeah. Okay, so okay, I've cool. got current, so I have 11 students in my class right now and I've got seven assistants in there. Okay. That's um, yeah. Cause yeah, that's a good. lot of my kids are need, need one-on-one -on -one attention. Right. Yeah. Um, I think all of them technically, <laughs> in my opinion, need, need one-on-one -on -one assistance, but yeah, so we, yeah, we just, we hang out, we do stuff in my class. We do, they do all their reading, writing, math, all that all their academics in my room. I've got a few kids that we push them out to um, do like PE and, and mm -hmm. music with their grade level peers. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm pushing for next year. So next year I'm going to get my own time for, we call it specials, which is like PE music and library mm -hmm. time. And it just trades off what day they go to which, which activity. Um, and so next year I'm supposed to get my own for my own class. So oh, cool. my, I'm very excited. So then I'll have one that's catered specifically for my kids and life skills, but then they can also go with their grade level peers and attend their um, music library or PE with mm -hmm. their grade level uh, peers. And do you go with them when they go to their class? Or do you um, I have go? the assistants usually go. System it just depends. Um, yeah. it just, I, I, you know, that's, it's a very interesting, yeah, it's, it's, 
Yeah, because when I when I have my classroom, it's like I built at the beginning of the year, I build the schedule, I say who's going to be, you know, what time kids are going to be doing stuff and who they're going to be with and which aid is going to be with them and helping them do what subject or, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. So do you have a lot of people, a lot of like, uh, do you teach the same kids every year? Does it, is it kind of like that or are they new every year? They, I mean, they, they go through their grade levels. Right. And so like normal. And so like right now I've got, I've got of my 11 kids, five of them, five of them are fifth graders. Mm -hmm. So next year they're all moving on to middle school. So okay. they'll just be done. They'll be done with elementary school. Um, and then, and so, yeah. So if I stay as a, as a three through five teacher, they're going to be, you know, I, I think I'll have three of my same kids. I'll be getting a bunch of new kids next year. And okay. then, so I, and then if I teach K through two, it'll be the same thing. All those incoming kinders will also be in my room. So Got it. yeah, it's, it changes from year to year, but instead mm -hmm. of getting a new student, new class every year, it's like a little bit longer. Yeah. It'll, I'll have them for about three years and then they'll, they'll That's move on cool. to another class, which is really cool. Awesome. You might, might, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just interesting to know because my my high school, uh, I was always around it. Mm -hmm. I always knew that there was a class, you know, down uh, down in some of, some of the other halls, um, but I never got to like actually know how it all worked. It yeah. was always a mystery. I don't know why we don't talk about it more. No, <laughs> I, th yeah. I think we and should. So, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's definitely very interesting. I have uh, like this year because it, I, I was new to the classroom, and at the beginning of the year, I, it was like. I had three staff that had been in life skills before and four staff that had never been in there. Yeah. Um, so it was, so this year was a little bit more, we call it self-contained. So I was like keeping them in my class a little bit more mm -hmm. um, where next year I definitely want to push them out, push them out as much as I can. Cool. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it's a, it's a balancing act. And then it also depends on the kid. Like I just have kids that I'm it's mm -hmm. like, like we have, we have lunch. I've got most of my kids go out to the cafeteria for lunch, but I got a few kids like just for like auditory reasons. Like it's just, it's, it's too overstimulating. Like oh yeah. And a loud, ca loud cafeteria. They just, they can't handle it. And so they have lunch in my class and we'll work out, you know, we're going to slowly work on being able to push them out and get them out, you know, yeah. out where everybody can see them and nice. that kind of thing. That's good. I was curious what drew you to the special education in the first place. And uh, as a second part to that question, how is it the same and how is it maybe different from what you expected when you first started? Mm. So I, when I first moved up here, um, I had a friend at the, in the singles ward and um, he, he knew that I was looking for a job and he asked me, uh, or he told me about this this company, Laney SD. He's like Laney SD. They you do you work with kids, and um, they actually do life skills age, from kindergarten up through age twenty one. So there's you can do elementary, oh, wow. middle, middle school, high school, or or they after high school if you, if you don't get a regular or a modified diploma, you can do what's called transition school, um, hmm. and so they continue in a public education setting. Um, but anyway, he I forget I think he was working at the high school, but he told me that they were looking for for subs to help out in these classrooms. Um, so I went and applied and they, they hired me and I was very nervous cause I'd never before that I had never worked with kids or any really been around anybody with disabilities. Um, so I was a little nervous about what was going to happen. Um, and so I was living in Eugene and I was riding my, at that time I, I just had my bike and a bus pass. That's how I got around. And they, 
they told me, oh yeah, we'll keep you, we'll keep you close to to where you are in Eugene. I think the closest school is Willie Gillespie. And then there was, I ended up working at Howard Elementary for a while. Um, but they were like, we'll keep you close to close to your house, so you're not having to like ride all these buses. And the first school they sent me to was Thurston Elementary, which is way the heck out here. So that's Thurston. like the furthest no, away. Yeah, then. <laughs> it was a three and a half hour day like position because I, I did a part time position, and. Yeah, it took me, I think, about an hour and a half on, on the bus and my bike to be able to get to Thurstonell. Oh, my goodness. Spent three and a half hours working and then took an hour and a half to go home. And one of the coolest things is I, I went in there and I, you know, I told him, I said, I've never done this before. Like, I'm just, I'm here to help out. You you know, what what can I do? How can I help? And they were like, they were super friendly, super welcoming. Um, and the, like, I went and just, they were like, I think they were just having breakfast and so I went and sat down and one of the kids and I, I just started talking to this kid. I said, Hey buddy, what's up? And they were like, Oh, if you, um, don't bother speaking to him unless you know Spanish. <laughs> and I was like, Hey, like, look at <laughs> so that. I, did. Yeah. I just started speaking Spanish to this kid and he just like perked up. He was super excited. And he, and then he started speaking, speaking back to me and they were just like, why is this white kid? Like, that's speaking? awesome. It was really cool. Um, and so, yeah, I was terrified going into that classroom because, I, again, I, I had no idea what to expect. And then I, just after that first day, I just fell in love with it. Um, and so I ended up getting a long-term position at Howard Elementary, and I worked there for a few years. And um, after working there for about two years, I, I decided that's what I really wanted to do. Um, I just, I loved, I loved working with those kids. I'll never forget those kids. Um, and the teacher that I worked with were just, were just amazing. Um, and it was just fun. It was really nice to, like, get up in the morning and, like, I'm excited to go to work. I'm excited to go and be with these kids and be in this classroom. Um, and so anyway, so then I, yeah, so then that's when I decided I was going to go back. And so I, then I started doing school part-time and um, eventually went, went to U of O. I got my undergrad in, in elementary and then went and did my master's in, in special education. Um, and then finally, this last year, finally, after doing a few different areas, I was over at Springfield High School for a few years. I did the behavior and I did um, some other stuff there for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And um, finally got, was able to find a position. I ended up back at Lane ESD where I started, which is, I'm really loving. Um, but yeah, and I'm, I'm back in life skills and I'm just loving it. Awesome. So what does is, what is a master's look like for what 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 how what 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 do you learn in there? Because usually um, a master's is like you know it's above yeah <laughs> the normal. So, so the what, what's one, the... I mean, one of the things you learn you learn about because every every kid. So when you're in special education, so when you when you're gonna be placed in special education, you go through um you go through an evaluation process mm -hmm. um because you have to be like you kind of like so that's where the school psychologist comes in and like oh, okay. go, does some testing does some do, you do some paperwork and like determines that okay this student has a disability mm -hmm. um and there's i think 13 if i'm remembering correctly i think there's 13 categories um and so they're like okay you have a disability this is your disability and then you have an iep which is an individualized education plan um and so you um when you when you have a disability, you write you write this plan that's going to fill kind of fill in those gaps, uh -huh. um, and so they range like you get kids that are just like they have dyslexia, like nothing else. They have no no problems doing math or no problems in the you know like behaviorally or socially or anything, and they're right. they're just you know they need some help with reading. So their IEP just has like one reading goal, and like, you know that that's all they they get pulled out. Um, they get pulled out of class for 30 minutes a day to do some reading instruction. And that's, that's kind of the extent of their IEP. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, 
yeah, so that's one of the first things, one of the big things you learn in in your master's is you learn, like, you ha I had to take a sped law class, which was just, it was very fascinating. Because um, hmm. you, yeah, you had to read through that and, you know, read through the whole um, sped law here in Oregon. And what does that entail? What does the IEP look like? How do you know all these, like, little, little, what's the word? Just all the little nuances. Little, little minute little things. things. Yeah, minute, minute things. Um, so that was one of them. Another one, like you took, I took some classes on like reading instruction. Um, and so you get, well, but it's like a lot more in depth mm -hmm. where, cause yeah, you have like kids go into special education for reading cause they're struggling with reading. So right. then it's just like, okay, like the, the curriculum that is working that generally works for like 90% of our kids isn't working for this kiddo. Uh -huh. Um, so what, you know, what's the issue? How can we figure out what, what is the problem that the kid's having with reading and how, what curriculum is going to work best for that kiddo? So you learn about different curriculums that you can use. Got it. Um, and different teaching strategies for teaching kids that have dyslexia or, you know, whatever disability it is. Mm -hmm. um, would so. you say, would you say that the master's like helps you just learn more stuff in depth to help the kids or did, did it help you get to the point where you could have, you know, teach other assistants to help your students or is it that something you learn doesn't teach you how to teach assistants like, no so it's that's just become, yeah the... that's become a big part of my job okay. is is i manage uh i do a lot of management of my right. aides in my room so that's um, that's job life experience yeah that's that job learn. life okay. experience yours is on teaching this is how you teach got it okay. yeah so yeah so you do like i did reading courses i had a math course um i did yeah i did a sped law class you do a whole class on like writing ieps um yeah, and it's just, yeah, all that, because when you get a degree in special education, it's not just, like, just elementary. It, it It's special education from kindergarten up through age 21. Holy cow. Um, so, like, I like two of the classes are behaviors. Like, how do you write a behavior support plan? Um, how do you, and, like, a little bit is, how, like, how to manage the behaviors. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and some of that is just experience. Like, when you have a kid that, like, throw scissors at you like what you know they don't teach you about that in class but like how you handle that and you learn yeah, just I think you gotta have a thick skin and a sense of humor yeah maybe yeah, some safety glasses laugh, yeah you learn to laugh about a lot of the stuff and but yeah like i said it's a wide range so like when i was at springfield high school my first year there i was i was doing behavior so i was running running a behavior program um and then the next two years uh, another teacher took over. She was much more interested in doing behavior. And I was like, go for it. Like, I was like, you can, <sighs> you can handle the, the, yeah. the high school kids with, with big behaviors. Uh -huh. Um, and so then I was in the science department and what we were doing was called co-teaching. So I, I worked with, with two of the science teachers. Um, and we would, I was helping with like their science nine class, for instance. And then we would have, like her job was like, here's, she knew the curriculum. She knew the material. My job was to then go in there and like, okay, how can we take this curriculum material and adapt it? So that way, you know, our kids mm -hmm. that struggle, that may struggle with math or reading, um, how can we make it so they can still understand the material and be able to perform well without how, you know, without their disability getting yeah. in the way. Well, that's a um, whole nother level of and it's a whole Yeah. So then there's that level. Like I said, there's the behavior. Now there's where I'm at, where there's life skills, which is just kids with severe disabilities. Um, and so, yeah, there's, yeah, when you're in, yeah. And so that's why your master's is, it's so extensive because it covers gotcha. just a very wide range of yeah, like what, tw 21 years you have to cram into? Exactly, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. 
so it's yeah, it was it was very intense, but it was I'm glad it's done. But yeah. <laughs> and you, you've been doing this for a while. How do you feel you've changed and grown over the years, you know, working in, in special ed? Um I mean, I've always enjoyed it. I, I feel like um I'm not sure <laughs> in all honesty. Like it's got like um I feel like I'm just understanding the kids better. So like before, you know, when you first start out, like a kid is having an issue and you're trying to figure out, okay, how can I help? You know, how, what, what's going on with this kid, especially if they're like, they're nonverbal, like they don't talk, like how do you help the kid figure out? So I feel like I've, I've definitely gotten that where I, I, yeah, like staff can come up to me and like, this kid is having this issue you know, and very quickly I can like, okay, well, this is, this is probably what it is in my experience. This is probably what the issue is. Mm -hmm. Um, this is why they're acting this way. So how do we then, you know, figure out, how do we figure out a way to be able to work around that or to help them? So, you know, cause a lot of it, like at least the kids where I'm at now, it's like sensory issues. Like it's just, Uh, like, it's just too loud or like, I've got screamers in my room right now. So it's like, (sighs) I have one kid that screams just cause he gets really excited. So he yells really loudly. Well, then this, little kindergartner doesn't like that so then he turns and yells back at the fifth grader for like yell and so then it just becomes this like screaming fest and so like so like my kindergartner like what we did was okay well you know the fifth grader screaming is bothering him he wouldn't wear like we we use like i mean almost like construction headphones yeah yeah not for music just to like block out sound and yeah um, like the 3m earmuff things that yeah yeah yeah, and so we tried those he didn't want them so then i was talking to somebody else and they were like well what if you tried me have you tried music and i was like let's try that so we ordered him on ipod and now he uses it like all the time and like the screamings come way down where he's like he's really settled um so yeah i think just over the years it's just it's I've learned all these little tricks and all these little things to be able to know what's what's happening with my students. That's really cool. I had, this is a random thought, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but I think we've all experienced and known people who maybe have children with autism or other mm-hmm. behaviors, and um, they struggle to get to church because it feels mm-hmm. very vulnerable to them. They may feel not not supported yeah. when they're walking into a chapel and maybe people don't completely understand their child's situation, mm-hmm. uh, especially if maybe they're a single parent. Um, I'm, I'm wondering how can we better support those people so that they don't feel alone? Yeah. Um, I mean, I just, I, I like, cause I've been asked, I've noticed this being a sped teacher, um, I get asked a lot of questions like when it comes to like, like, especially like behavioral questions I get asked, they just, and which I'm fine with, I love figuring, I love figuring out those problems. Um, yeah. So I, I think, um, I, like I, I, I tell my students or I tell my staff, like if, you know, cause I think of, of one of the things that people prevent people from being able to attend church is that kids are going to do things that are, might be disruptive for, for the environment that they're in. Um, right. So I think it's just understanding, you know, that, you know what, those kids might be a little disruptive. That doesn't need to dis it doesn't actually need to disrupt our meeting. Um, but we can continue. Um, and I think just reaching out and just even asking, asking, you know, the parent, like, what can we do to help support? Um, so, or help, you know, help, help support them. Like when mm-hmm. they, you know, if their kids come into primary, you know, what can we do? What would 
you know, what would help them feel more comfortable about being in primary or that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's always, it's always a tricky one to help people. Well, anything, anything's better than turning around your pew and just staring. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, and that so happens with even just the, saying the, like, I think the, even just saying hi, I think is always a big one. Just yeah. like, you know, actually acknowledging that they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, or even just start, starting a conversation and just start talking to them. Yeah. And just, you know, or find out a little bit. I always like to find out a little bit about my kids um, when I get new students, mm-hmm. especially again, I'm I'm thinking non-vert, like those kids that aren't going to tell you what yeah. their interests are. Um, so then I can start talking about them, uh, talking about what things they might actually like. And just like, I have a kid that likes orchestras, which oh. I found out a couple months after school started, like he, he's really into music and he likes he likes instruments. So then I started talking and I was like, dude, did you know that Mr. B plays the piano? And like, I took him down to the music room and I was like, and he and I sat at the piano. I was like, look, like, you know, it was just a way, way to connect. So I think it's just, um, trying to build that connection and that relationship with them. I already took away two things from that, that I didn't expect. Um, first is I think just creating that safety, Mm -hmm. um, to where we're not necessarily saying, Hey, your child's uh broken this is mm. a behavior that we have to fix but more just normalizing like this is normal for you mm-hmm. it's okay yeah and and then the other thing is just having that next step of having curiosity in that person of what do they like yeah and leveraging that yeah well and see and that's what i tell my staff at at school um because you know we have to teach like social behaviors like what's socially acceptable yeah. and i'm like you know if it's you know, it's not necessarily socially acceptable for this kid to lay on the table in the cafeteria. Like we need to teach how, you know, that that's not socially acceptable. But on the other hand, you know, on the other hand, if they're jumping up, they get really excited and they're jumping up and down and flapping, flapping their arms around. It looks weird, but it's not socially unacceptable. So why we don't need to fix that. We don't need to like, that's just how they get excited. Like, that's really cool. That's the, how they express it. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Th- that's fine. Yeah. I just, thought of, I just thought of, I have, I have two brothers who have autism spectrum disorder and, and they listen to the podcast. So hopefully they're okay with this. But <laughs> I have my, my brother Shane, actually, he, he has this uh, perseveration on cliches. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you have any, if you talk in any kind of cliche, he just gets so frustrated. Oh. And I remember the bishop was it was a congregation of like 200 people and he was he said something some sort of cliche uh gosh i cannot remember i think it was a sports analogy like a sports cliche like swing and a miss or something like that got it and my brother stands up and he says you're saying cliches (laughs) (laughs) this is in the middle in the middle of sacrament he was great you know he just he he said thank you thank you (laughs) that's awesome Yes, you pointed that out. Good job. Thanks. Yeah. Yes, it was a cliche. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, my my kids, they always, every, it's like every kid on the spectrum, it's like, it's like their similarities, but there's a lot more differences. Like they all, you know, they tend to perseverate on on certain things and like, like just today. And it it's just interesting to see how they focus where, where their attention goes and things that they notice that yeah. they might not notice. Um so one of my students, I think he, I think it was just today. He really noticed my face, like really, really f- was like, oh my gosh. Like, so he just started, like, he looks at me and he starts just giggling and I'm just like <laughs> uncontrollable giggling. I'm like, what is he laughing at? And then he starts pulling at my beard 
And like, he grabs my glasses and he was like putting them around his face and putting them back on my face and just messing with them. And then he rubbed my head and then started to giggle even la- like louder. Oh, like man. once he was just like rubbing my head. That's always been the thing that like throws my students off because, you know, when they look at me, they just see my chin, right? They're so much shorter. Than oh, you. yeah. They don't, yeah, they don't, they don't see the top of my head. It's not until I get down low on their level that they're like, oh, he's bald. Like, there's, there's more. <laughs> and there's more there. And then they're just, they think it's the funniest thing. That yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh-huh. They think it's the funniest thing that I'm bald and I get kids I have one kid that just comes and puts his hand on my head and just like squeezes like this. And I'm just like, dude, stop. Like, <laughs> like it's my head. I yeah, it's, it's bald, just leave it alone. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I just it was it just cracked me up today that he was just he was so tickled by my face apparently yeah. that he had never really I don't think ever really noticed like all the all the things. That's cool. So coming going from so I have a hard time transitioning from my work to my home just because I'm used to dealing with like machinery mm-hmm. or 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 nobody because there's some days where I work alone. Do you have a is it is it different for you to come home from teaching um your class to then coming home to your kids or your the, wife? Yeah, there are definitely days. I my my wife is so understanding though. So like yeah. it's just like yesterday was rough. Yesterday was a rough day. Um and like I came home and I just told her, I was just like, so yeah, I, it definitely is hard sometimes to like come home and do that transition. Um, it's a little, it's been a little bit easier with Jane talking the last year and a half or so. Cause that, oh, okay. that that's a nice welcoming thing that I can come in where I like my boy, my boys are old enough now that I walk in and I have to like, Hey, Hey Peter. Hey Peter. Hey, Hey, how are you? Before he's <laughs> fine. Like, Oh, hi dad. Um, <laughs> and where Jane, I walk in, daddy's home, daddy's here. And she's uh, so excited. Um, so that helps. But yeah, I usually, um, I've, I often will take a drive after work. And uh, just call Aaron and like, cause I, and I also live down the street. I work at Maple Elementary and then I live just off Main Street. Like I live, it takes me five minutes tops to Oh, that's walk. not enough yeah, time. It's not. And so I definitely take, there, there's days I'm just like, I just need to drive. Like I'm just going to yeah. take a drive before I come home. Um, and then my kids, they're somewhat understanding. Like they understand. I don't think they totally understand what, what I do. They, they understand that I don't teach one grade. Right. They understand that like I, cause I've shown them videos. Like I've shown them like not videos of my students, but like videos on YouTube of like this kid has autism Mm -hmm. um, or this kid's, you know, this kid's in a wheelchair. They use this communication device, like, you know, you know, and as on their iPad, it has pictures and they touch the pictures and it says the words for them because they, because they can't verbalize, they can't use their own words. Um, so that's their words is on that device. And so, um, yeah. And so it's just been really interesting to see my kids, like I would love to take them like on a day and actually really take them and like yeah. so they could see my classroom like because they, they've been to the empty classroom they haven't really met like students at any time but yeah that would be good I think that kind of stuff needs to happen more so I feel like at least now I was in the south so it might be a little different but it was very uh very separated mm-hmm. like very separated like totally different building like nobody even um nobody even wanted to like have them in the same building for whatever reason. I don't know why, but, um, it's, it's, it's fun to help Donovan cause he's getting to an age now. It's fun to help him when he asks a question about somebody at the store or somewhere and he asks, you know, what, why are they different or something? And it's really awesome to be able to explain to him, like, you know, it's fine. 
It yeah, might not be normal, just... but it's it's okay, you know. And you explain it to him, and he's he does. I don't think he understands. I don't think he gets it. But I yeah. think you know having that explanation early on definitely will help later in the future. Yeah, well, one hundred percent. Yeah, it helps them understand. Yeah, that, yeah that that people are different. People do different things. Like not everybody you know, looks the way we do and stand, mm-hmm. walks on two feet and can use their hands. And, you know, mm-hmm. not everybody can can do that kind of thing. And so it's definitely a different world no. to be to be part of. Awesome. We got some other things we wanted to get into here for sure, but I, you gave an awesome talk and people in Third Ward probably remember this, where you, you compared the IEPs that you write for your students mm-hmm. to our Heavenly Father and... I, I like the analogy, I guess, of he has an IEP for us. Yeah, that was a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I'm glad I'm glad it made an impact. It was <laughs> yeah, it was probably that. I just remember that he said IEP and that's and then I focused on that that acronym and then the whole time I was wondering what's an IEP because because I didn't explain it or something, right? Like Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I don't yeah, so I'm trying to remember. I was looking, I was actually looking for that talk because I usually, I try to save them on my Google Drive um, just so I have talks. And I learned that from Elder Holland, actually, who I heard him, he came and spoke when I was at the MTC and he was, he'd talk about how he recycled talks. He's like, I just keep a file and I keep talks because you never know when somebody's like, hey, can you give a talk? And then you have one that's already written. Um, anyway, um, so... It, I, I looked at it and I said that I, I remember I broke it down. I can't remember specifics off the top of my head. I broke it down into s- six parts. Like what are the, what are the parts of the IEP? Um, and how does that relate? How, how is that like our, our heavenly father's plan? So, uh, you know, the IEP stands for an individualized education program or plan. Um, and our heavenly father has an individualized education plan for us. So I remember the first part cause the first major part of an IEP, um, is the um you you start with the student strengths um which is always really cool Mm -hmm. like that's the very first like apart from like the because at the very top of an iep it has like the general information like student name address parents names all that um and then right under that it starts with student strengths and that's usually how i start my iep meetings is we just talk like good things like what good personality traits or what talents does the student have um and so that's usually the first thing that our, I mean, our Heavenly Father, I think, has has a list for us of, like, he knows us so well, um, and he can look at us and and know these are the, um, these, these are the strengths that this person has. Um, and then I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to remember now some of the other parts that I've broken up, up into. So I know one was, because a big part of the IEP is you have the IEP team, um, and that can range from, like, because it's always the parent. The parent's always part of the team. And it could be like the parent, the teacher, and the special education teacher. Like that, and that's mm-hmm. the team. But then like I like kids like mine, um, I've got the parent, the the grade level teacher, I'm there, the occupational therapist, the physical therapist, the autism behavior consultant, the uh uh augmentative communications consultant. Like there's all sorts of people that are involved with it. Um and I compared that to how um Heavenly Father has a team for us. Um usually uh usually it's our families, right? Our family members, mm. and that could be your parents, that could be your spouse, your kids, they're part of your team and they're the ones um that know you the best and know how to help you. Um, yeah. as you, um, strive to, to do better and to, um, um, become more like our heavenly father. 
Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other parts. I feel like that could also apply to like your ward family. Yeah. And I think I did. I think I mentioned that that, that, your ward family is also part of your IEP, right? A part of your team. Um, Because I'm going to be honest, there are some things that I, that I have told like my ministering because you, that's what um, you, uh, now that we have, uh, it's not home teaching, it's ministering brothers and sisters. yeah. Yeah. There are some things that. I've told people at church and stuff that my family don't know about because, <laughs> yeah. you know, some, they support you in different ways. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, yeah, I just broke down. I went through, cause next part of the IEP is like goals. You write goals for whatever, whatever it is. And so part of Heavenly Father, he has goals for us um, of things that he wants us to work on. And um, I'm trying to remember. I think that's the big one. Accommodations is another big part of the IEP um, where you have, you know, here's, we want that, you know, we want this kid to be in, in, in their regular with their grade level peers. Um, but they need these accommodations. And so like, what are some things that would help them? And so like, I have a kid that has a visual impairment. So we make sure that she has font like really big for her. We make sure that she has a slant Mm. board. So, you know, when we work with her, we have her materials like up off the table and kind of up in front of her so she can see them. Um, and so like there's accommodations that we put on an IEP, but then there's also accommodations that our heavenly father, like he knows, um, he knows what, what we need and what things, um, he needs to have in place for us in order to help us reach our goals. Cause that's the whole point of an accommodation is help, you know, what these are the things in place so you can reach your goals. Yeah. Well, I just like, I like the paradigm shift uh, speaking broadly from that talk, because I think one framework we see our lives and, and, you know, rate ourselves as living the gospel is comparing to other people. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh yeah. Say, oh, this person, you know, they only struggle with, um, you know, saying bad words. And here I am struggling with all these other things that are much worse. But when you do that paradigm shift to thinking about individuals, yeah, uh, the people you work with, for example, they were born in an, a body that has autism, right? And that's an individual struggle that's totally different from my life experience. Yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and we grew up in different circumstances. And Heavenly Father, I think, sees that and when we can shift from comparing to god sees me as an individual and he is aware of not only my weaknesses but my strengths i think that's such a great way of seeing yeah where yeah where he again yeah he has goals and things specifically for us but yeah he's not comparing us i don't feel like he's comparing us to other people mm, and you know yeah. well, this you know this person's it it doesn't matter where we are on that on the eternal road but you know it's everybody everybody's so individualized and has their own specific needs that heavenly father is aware of yeah i think it's significant too that you focus strengths first cuz i feel like as a as a Pro- most of the time, personally, you probably don't focus on yeah, your strengths. For, and on, you yeah. you have to have somebody that can point those out to you first. Yeah. Because, um, you know, the, the biggest critic is yourself most most of the time. Almost every time I go to seminary, I say it, one of the greatest things you can do as a friend is talk to one of your other friends and tell them something that they do exceptionally well that's unique. Oh, yeah. Um and because I, I do think that we have this idea of if I if I know my strengths and I leverage those, it's somehow prideful. But all you have to do is look at the 
a lot of the parables that Jesus shared. And he wants us to not only be aware of those, but maximize those mm-hmm. things. And so I, I think that it's counterintuitive, but I think it's sometimes the more humble thing to do to actually recognize those strengths and use them in positive ways to help others. Yeah. yeah. Good well, point. Yeah, and that's something that I, well, I just spoke again last week, week a week before. Week before. Yeah, we and it was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Darn, I needed to really botch it then. And that's, that's, what, that's how <laughs> that's, I get out of it. That's what I keep trying to do. <laughs> and so, no, yeah. It, now, I, now I totally lost my train of thought. Of, but yeah, it's, yeah, having those people around you, um, that Heavenly Father works. That's what it what That's what I mentioned that Heavenly Father works often through the people around us. Oh, yeah. Um, so we see that blessings come, you know, like, uh, like I, I'm in some sort of, like my, I mean, I'll just, I'll just say like my dad, so I have to get something fixed on my truck this week. And, um, like financially I was a little worried about it. I'm like, I don't know how we're going to do this. And it's not like heavenly father just all of a sudden makes the money appear. Yeah. But in the form of my dad calling me up and, you know, talking to me about it and then him going, okay, here, I can help you out with this. Um, you know, kind of is, is just, uh, just an example in my personal life from this last week of how heavenly father works through. Um, the people around us. Yeah. Well, Josh, what do you want to get into? Um, well, we've been pretty serious so far. So you, uh, you said that you enjoy the silly questions and funny stories. I see something here about the toenail incident, <laughs> about one of the stories you wanted to share. So hit yes. me with the toenail. I don't like feet or toenails, but okay. I'm really interested about this. This is going to gross you out then. <laughs> okay. okay. So here. So on... I, so on my mission, I was in my last area. I had just gotten to my last area. And it just so happened that, you know, you had one cell phone between the companions at right. the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just so happened the previous elder that I was replacing um, had lost the cell phone. So oh. we didn't even have a cell phone. So that's just to set this up. That's what makes this incident so much worse is that we didn't have a cell phone and there's no pay phones. Like you just, mm. yeah. And so anyway, so what had happened was I was coming out of the, coming out of the shower. Um, and I always told, I guess I should tell the truth of this story. So I've always told the story that I just said I slipped. Um, I didn't, I, I didn't slip just cause I slipped. There was a spider. <laughs> and I went to go step on this spider and I was so ashamed of it that it was my own stupid fault that this happened. But there was a spider right by the door. Um, and so I came out and I was, um, and I went to go step on the spider. And my Barefoot? Sp- yeah. I, I, no, you no, had no. Sand- I had you had sandals on. on? No. Okay, good. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. I never, I don't think I ever walked in a house barefoot on my mission. Good, I was just good. like, no, it was always, in because it was always tile and I don't like things sticking to my feet. Like that's just, uh, Ugh. um, so anyway, no, so I'm, I'm, I have my sandals on. I go to step on this spider and my foot slid under the door was up a little bit higher from uh, off the floor and my foot went under the door except my toenail and I, the, my big toenail on my right foot hit the top of the door and just uh, ripped right off. Oh. It was instant. Like it was, it was off. Like, like there was, off, off, like almost all the way off. Like it was hanging on by just the Holy tiniest cow. part. Um, oh. Oh, it hurt yeah. so bad. Um, I bet that hurt. So what? What? What did? What did you do after that? So, so I just like I start screaming. I'm just like, Elder, <laughs> I mean, I mean, um, how do they say? 
PA, I'm EPA. I'll go pass on EPA. I'm like, something happened to my foot. And he comes <laughs> running up the stairs. <laughs> and I, I was just like, Mikai. And he was like, he was like, something worse than you just felt. You know, I said I fell. And he was like, something worse happened than you just falling. Like, he looked at it. He was like, oh, oh, like he was really grossed out because my toenail oh, was just hanging off my man. foot or off my toes. So, and, and then this is where the cell phone comes in. So right. normally we would have just called somebody and said, Hey, I need to go to the doctor, yeah. but we didn't have a phone. Um, so I'm like, crap. And I was new to the area. So I had, I didn't know where anybody was. So my companion was like, well, there's a family down the street. So I get dressed. Um, and I just have, I put my shoe and sock on my left foot, but then I just had the sandal on my right foot. And I think I just put some gauze over my toe um, <laughs> and just put some gauze over. And I just walked over. And of course, the first member's house, they weren't there. So then he, I was like, is there somebody else? He's like, there's somebody like three streets down. So I walk like a block to get to this other member's house. And thankfully, they were home. Um and they Ugh. were able to take me take me to the doctor because I was like, "Can you take me to the doctor?" And they're like, "Yeah, you need to go." Like, just like, yeah, like you absolutely need for to go sure. To the doctor. <laughs> like your toenail's gone. Um, so so yeah, I went to the doctor and they had to take off the last. Like, there was no way my toenail was going. Right, back they just on. clipped it off. Yeah, so they didn't clip it off. They they did. Um, they put some uh some painkiller and mm-hmm. like a needle. So they shoved it like in the top of my toe. Oh. And then they shoved it in the side, like gave me oh. two shots in my toe. It hurt. That hurt so bad. But then luckily it kicks in and then it numbed my toe. And then they pulled the they pulled the tail. I didn't even feel them pull the tail nail off. They pulled the toenail off. They wrapped it up real good. And um, and then I just had to spend, they were like, You can't be walk, you can't be walking on it for like yeah. three days. Oh. So then we had to like, you know, we had to reschedule and we, I think we did do some splits and so my companion we had members from the ward come. And uh, so that was like the first time meeting some of these. Me- this was literally huh. like two days after I got to this area. Like this wasn't even, I hadn't even had a Sunday to meet members of the ward. And so members were coming over and, you know, we're meeting each other. And that's the first thing we talked about was this, get my toenail ripped off. Oh, that's awesome. Um, oh, it was, oh, it was terrible. It hurts so bad. Uh, so, I, so real question. Did you get the spider? I honestly can't remember. If I, I hope you. I spider. hope you like. I sat don't on know if I got it or not. I can't remember. <laughs> all I because it was just like all I remember was ouch. Like my yeah, my toenail was gone. Man, yeah, yeah I better have gotten that stupid spider. Man. So I don't. Yeah, I don't think I've ever oh. stepped on a spider again on my and my sandals. If I'm gonna step, I think I just pull the sandal off. But yeah, it definitely scarred me. Holy cow! So did your. Uh... I know toes grow back, toenails do grow back, but super slow. But did it yeah, come off at the I would root? Yeah, it was about or? a month. Okay, so it did come back before it grew back, and now you couldn't even tell. Now, like it's just there. Yeah, and it's got. It's not That's an good. issue. That's good. At least it didn't get pulled. But all yeah, the way that was out. that was my fear. Was that because they said sometimes they don't grow back? Yeah, like, and or sometimes they grow back funny. Uh-huh. Um, you know, before no, it's it's grew back just fine, which is well. It sounds like it just you know. Just came right off, it came nice right and off. clean, yeah, so nothing instant. weird. <laughs> it was, it hurts so bad. Oh man! And so I, I use that as like a unit of measurement. So like, so for <laughs> like, um, just like like for my <laughs> master's program, you had to do this thing called the EdTPA. Um, so it wasn't just enough for a 
your your supervisor at the university to say, you know what, you've done enough. You're you're good enough to be a teacher. You have uh-huh. to do this whole project where you have to put together lesson plans and data and yeah. videos of yourself teaching and send off to some other random professor at any at you know whatever university they send it to oh. for that teacher to then grade that project and then tell you yes you're good enough to be a teacher. It nice. was terrible it was it was absolutely <laughs> terrible having to do this project um and everybody says the same thing they're like it's terrible and they're like well how bad is it and i go back to the toenail i'm like i had my toenail ripped off once i'd rather have that happen to me again than oh, do the gross. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah oh it's terrible i miss ripping open my ice cream sandwich here and i realized i went to dairy queen like two hours ago oh geez like have i hit rock bottom <laughs> is this That's when you're in the good spot. That's when you're like, I can get Dairy Queen and a fat boy. Yeah, no kidding. I don't know if I can eat anything after talking about the toenails. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's one of my favorite procedures to do in clinic, by the way. Oh, gross. It's it's the only one I can think of where it feels like I'm trying to extract information out of somebody. Oh, like what? Like keep the rubies. Yeah, like sticking sticking bamboo up underneath. uh, a torture person. Wasn't that torture? They have the yeah. bamboo shoots up the finger. Oh. Yep. Ooh. Yeah, never done that one. Mythbusters <laughs> tested. They did another one with Matt. I love Myth. If you do you guys ever love watch Mythbusters? Myth Are love you talking it. about the water dropping one on the forehead? They, they did this whole, yeah, this whole like torture one. They did the water drop, but they also did bamboo shoots. Did you ever see that? Like bamboo yep. shoots? Yeah, they, I saw they, that the, it was like in Vietnam. They would they would take the myth was that they would take prisoners. And put them over these bamboo shoots that are super hard and super sharp. They would cut them and to they, sharpen them, and they yeah, grow. and then the, yeah, let yeah. them grow, and it would grow through the person yeah. as a form of torture. And they found that yeah, it would it would only t- it would take about two or three days, so it was like you wouldn't die instantly. So they were like, yep, that's a good form of torture. But yeah, they had like the whole fake what's the gelatin that they use the ballistic gel. ballistic gel. They put yeah. ballistic yeah. gel, and yeah, like it just the shoots just yeah grow right through the ballistics gel and through the ribs and everything and make their way up. And so then there's this like ballistic gel body with this bamboo shoots, bamboo vines or not vines, um, shoots, shoots, plants. Yeah. Wow, man, you're a great teacher. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Uh, That was fun teaching science high school because we did. We did get to use Mythbusters a a couple different times. Oh, of course you have to. They actually did real experiments. Yeah, especially teaching some physics. We're like, okay, guys, this is what Mythbusters does. It was really cool. Awesome. Seeing seeing this vibe right. Okay. Yeah, your turn. I think I think the show has a vibe, by the way. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Speaking of that, I think you need to do our intro jingle for next season. Okay. I feel like I feel like we need to deliver. I'm I'm just saying I want to commission you for that. But okay. Yeah. I feel like you're catching our vibe. So <laughs> I want to commission you for it if you want to do it. But, so let, okay. let's let's then let's hear the resume about his about his music then. So I, I think your brother had said something about music and something about uh what was it drumline percussion? He said you were not mature enough to be on percussion. What what did it what was <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, oh, so uh, so my when we did music growing up, um This is like high school or well this is I mean, well, I don't know. What is he talking? Because I did do drumline. What did he? What did, what did he, he say? say? What is he talking about specifically? Because I could think you weren't picked at one point, and the teacher or whoever was in charge regretted it. And she said, uh, "You're uh, you you were too immature to handle it, 
and then you made a lot of changes because of no, that. No, that was and drum director, major. That okay. was drum major. Oh, okay. So drum That's like different. yeah. So gotcha. drum major is like the conductor okay. for the yes. Okay, gotcha. for the marching band, right? So yes. So yeah, she. I I I. Not auditioning, like you do like an actual interview, at least at my high school, that's how they okay. did it for a drum major. And so you would like put together a resume and like a cover pit, cover letter. Oh, wow. Like it was a job interview thing. Yeah. Um, which was really good for like a life experience. You know, mm -hmm. I learned algebra because that's totally helped me in my life. But <laughs> no, that was actually one of the things that really helped me in high school. Um, and so yeah, they they didn't pick me and she told me I was just too immature. She was like, she was like, You're way too immature. And I complained a lot. Like I just, it, it just came out. Like I, I didn't realize that I was doing it, but I complained yeah. about everything. I never, but it wasn't until one day that she, like a week before this, this interview for drum major, she, she went off on me. Like she just was like, Ian, if you just, if you complain about having to get your instrument out one more time, like you're going to be out. Like she was like, she was pissed. Uh, uh, holy cow. She just like, she lost it. And I, that's when I re like realized, oh, I'm complaining about everything. And I didn't mm. realize that I was doing it. Um, so I, I, that was something I really focused on in that summer and then coming back into marching band. I'm actually glad afterwards that I didn't get drum major. Cause then I ended up playing with the largest flute section that we had while I was in high school uh, where my junior year, it was me and one other girl. There was two of us. And then my senior year, we had, I think like seven freshmen come in mm. and then I think, and, and then a sophomore, I think joined, like we had like a 10 10 flute flu section, which was just so much fun. Wow. Um, but yeah, they, they, she ended up coming up to me a few months later and she goes, she, she noticed, uh, which was really nice. It was such a big compliment that she took the time to come up and tell me that we've no, I've noticed this change in you. Like you, yeah. you're not complaining as much. You're a lot more positive. And she goes, if you had this attitude, like, like three months ago, you easily would have been a drum major, like hands. That's a good teacher, which was really nice. Yeah, it was great. And so. It was a learning experience. Yeah. So have you, is it you, I know you play the piano as well because you play in primary. Yeah. So it, when, when did, when did your music career start? Like did your, I think so you said your was, dad. Yeah, had, I was eight when I started taking, taking piano. Um, my parents asked if we wanted to do piano lessons and, and then the deal was um, that if we took piano lessons for a year, then when we start, I think fifth grade is when we, we would start band. Mm. Um, and they said, if you take piano for a year, then you can start band and you can pick what instrument you want to do. Um, so I started, I started on piano and then I got time. So I started taking private lessons and then I, like I started just a few months before my brother did. And then they got my brother in and he started taking piano lessons. Um, and then I, when I got to fifth grade, I said, I wanted to do drums. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really wanted to do drums. And my dad goes, well, I'm going to give you a list of instruments. He did not want the drums. In the yeah, house. no parent wants drums. No, he didn't want the drums in the house. He didn't want percussion in the house. He was just like, no, you're going to, here, you can pick these instruments and drums wasn't on it. Um, <laughs> so I don't know how I ended up going on flute. I think I picked the flute somehow. Um, and, and girls play the flute. Girls play the flute, yeah. And so I don't know. I honestly cannot remember why I picked the flute. <laughs> So I picked the flute and and I actually just got it repaired. I want to I really I haven't played in about 10 years, but I've been pulling it back out and playing it again. Um so yeah, so I played flute all through middle school and high school. I did a little bit in college, but I always stayed on the piano. Um at one point I tr I wanted to quit. Our piano teacher moved up f to Utah. And so then I was just like I'm done with lessons now, right? I can be done and <laughs> and no, uh, they got me another piano teacher. Um 
oh, p- but before that, I wanted to quit. I think I'd have been doing it for like a year or two. And then I was just kind of done. It happens with a lot of kids, right? You do it for That's a while. You want to move on to something else. Yeah. Um, and I said that I wanted to go. I didn't want to do piano anymore. Um, and the thing that was frustrating for me was my brother didn't want to do it. They let, they let my brother quit. Oh. But they want to let me quit. My parents were like, no, because my piano teacher came up to him and my brother had, I think he had by that time started on French horn and that's, that was his instrument that really clicked with him. Oh, okay. Um, so they were like, he was getting, he was doing some lessons with, with one of the high school students or wait, was he college? It may have been college. He was doing some private lessons on the French horn. And so they were like, he can focus on the French horn. We want you to keep doing piano. And I was ticked. I was so mad that well, I had yeah. to keep I had to keep doing these piano lessons. I was like, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this. I'm never going to use this. I'm never like I'm going to be. I told my dad I was going to I'm going to be mad at you forever. <laughs> and right, and he goes, he goes. I bet you. I can't remember. He, it was like 500 bucks or something. He's like, I bet you 500 bucks that eventually you're going to say that you that you were you're you're glad that I took you that I made you take piano lessons, which is true. I am so grateful. My parents didn't let me quit and pushed me to keep taking piano lessons. So is this the admittance? Do you have to give him 500 bucks or did you already do that? I don't know. I don't think <laughs> I paid him. No, I don't think I've ever paid him, but I think it's, yeah, I definitely lost that bet. Cause yeah. I'm, yeah, it, it was, I think I, I lost the bet back in high school when I realized I could teach piano. And so I started teaching mm-hmm. piano. At one point I had like 13 or 14 kids that I was teaching. I was teaching a lot. Like that's what I was coming home from school and teaching piano and not having like I paid tithing, but that was it. Like I didn't have to pay. I didn't have to pay rent. I didn't have to pay for my car or anything. So yeah. I just had like all this money that I did use a lot of it. I saved up for my mission. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, it was just really nice to just have your own money and to spend on whatever you wanted. So yeah, I regretted it. Like not regretted, but I yeah, I definitely told my dad back then. I was like, yeah, I'm glad you made me. Yeah. So were like, were your parents? Did they were did they play instruments? Because they seem no. pretty set on you guys going to yeah, band. Yeah, my and... dad wanted to. So my dad's self taught. Um, so he does play piano and he plays for, he plays organ. He plays well enough to play for church. Um, does he play by ear? Or does he read? He reads. He learned <laughs> okay. how to read music, and okay. so but he doesn't like he doesn't know any of the theory of it. Like, right. He yeah. But he, he just can the read note the notes. Gotcha. And so like if you ask him what key that's in, he's like it has three sharps. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> he doesn't know. He doesn't know any of that. Um, and so I like, yeah, I haven't heard him play in such a long time. I'm like, I can't, I have a hard time like picture, like hearing in my head how well my dad played. Like he plays well enough to play for church. Mm-hmm. Um, That's is very cool. impressive, by the way, because playing hymns, you and I were talking about this before yeah. we started. Hymns are very difficult. Or they, they can be they very can difficult be, yeah. to play some of them there. That's it's uh, playing while other people are singing um, is, is it can be. Yeah. And so I think yeah, the, the, them being so adamant about it was that, like my dad had always wanted to learn to play the piano, but he didn't, they didn't have the money. They moved around a lot when he was younger and they just didn't mm-hmm. have the money. Like he couldn't take piano lessons. He wanted to, but he, they didn't have the money. So I think it was one of those things where he wanted, he wanted us to have the opportunity that yeah. he didn't have. He's going to vicariously live through exactly. his children. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So he just, yeah, he still bugs me when he comes up where I'm just like, I'm one where I'm just like, I want to play, but I don't want people to say anything about it. Like, oh, right. Like, yeah. just, just enjoy the music and then just leave it. Mm-hmm. Just, just, you know, like, I don't know. I'm always like, I get really shy when people come up and tell me that I did a good job. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> well, like, it's a, it's a skill. I kind of know how that yeah. is. It's, it's a skill. It's not, yeah. Um, my, uh, Donovan, 
I ask him all the time, like, oh, did you talk to talk to Ian today? Do you see him? Because you, you, you've come over to our house mm-hmm. a couple of times, and I don't think he realizes that somebody actually plays the piano. I don't know if he can't see you or if he doesn't pay enough attention. <laughs> I stand up. But, I talk to oh, you do? primary. Okay, like, good, I don't good, just good. Sit there. I mean, if the angels are playing, it might be on the background <laughs> of my phone behind the piano, but I'm paying attention. Um <laughs> And, but yeah, so he I, does notice though. He does, he does like it. He asks us when we do family home union because we just use YouTube because mm-hmm. I can't, I don't have a keyboard or anything that works. Um, and uh, he's like, why aren't we going to use a real piano? And I'm like, oh, at least he understands how to play it. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, I can, but I don't know. <laughs> I have to put batteries in it. Yeah. But yeah. So he, he definitely. I think he knows that somebody is, but I don't. I don't think he knows. I think I where. might just have to point like specifically Donovan. Hi, he sits yeah. right there. Like, yeah, because he's in. He's, no, he's in the sunbeams. He's mm-hmm. right there, right, right in front. Of, so he must not be able to see me. No, because yeah, yeah. I've I've sat in primary a couple times. Don't uh, tell Bishop this, but sometimes I skip class and I I, I watch my kids. <laughs> um, but uh, he he de- I, he definitely loves singing. He remembers some of the names of the songs, but he's definitely a music. Yeah, well, I know kid. Hillary and I were talking about this um, just this last Sunday that we're we're really there's there's so much like the primary songs they're 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 traditional and mm-hmm. they're really good and but we're having a lot of fun either finding different arrangements for me to play okay so that so it's the same it's the same primary song but a little bit more for the piano and the kids really like it like yeah. they really like we just did Gethsemane and they they loved it they love being able to listen to that and Hillary's I think realizing well not I think she's she told me she's realizing how well I play um and so she's like I can just kind of give you anything right and I'm like pretty much like if it's that's awesome which is great I said I'm not a professional but yeah if it's if it's in sheet music I I can especially stuff for church I'm like yeah that's not a problem so do you have a you have a piano at your house then oh yeah yeah perfect that's awesome my my piano again it was just like huge blessing so we got one a family was giving away a piano, so we got we got one. Um, and then when we moved it, we were moving it into my my wife's grandparents' house. They were going to mm-hmm. keep the piano for just a few months until we got to a bigger place and we had room for it. Yeah. And the elders or the the elders quorum that was helping us move it didn't know how to move a piano, and they tipped it on its side, oh. which is like a big no no. And so like they tipped it on its side, and you heard this big. Yeah, and I I knew right then I was like that thing's done. Yeah, like, it just ruined it. It killed it. And then so anyway, a few months go by, and I'm just like I tried tuning it. I got some to I've never done tuning. That's a whole nother profession. Um, and it was just like I would I tuned the middle C and worked my way up to you know, uh the C above. And then when I went back to check the C, you check the octaves and make sure they're yeah. in tune. It had already gone out of tune in uh. like that like you know 15, 20 minutes that I tuned and. So, and then, um, so anyway, a few months go by and my, um, my wife's grandparents, I show up one day at their house and I go to look at the piano and I see it's a different one, a much, a much nicer one, mm. like new and everything. And I was just like, what happened to my piano? And my wife's grandma was like, that is your piano. And I was like, oh, that's not the piano that I left here. And she was like, no, we traded it in and paid the difference. Oh, awesome. And, which was just huge. It was so nice. That's cool. And so that's the one that I have right now, and I just love it. It's Is it an upright? Yeah. Yeah. It's just a small little upright. Uh-huh. Um, I can't remember what brand, what model it is. Um, yeah. It's not, you know, it's gorgeous. It, awesome. it works. Um, I would love to get 
like a baby grand piano. I love the one we have in our church. Honestly, that 66, I because every, everybody everybody likes nice. a different feel. Everybody likes a different feel for their instrument. I I love the one we have on 66th Street. I've always love playing because it's pretty much the same piano any, any church you go to that has that mm-hmm. for a certain time. That I that, that's my favorite. Yeah, They're, and they I, play. Really I like well. that one better than like I'd rather perform it. 66 than at the stake center yes. i like the 66 yeah, building yes piano well i think that he could write your little jingle then i, I think he's pretty on top of it <laughs> sorry you just convinced us and now you have more work to do <laughs> great that was not my intention by yeah. any means well, okay we, we <laughs> actually to verify the um whether or not ian can actually be seen over the uh over the piano we have a primary kid right here Oh, he's dodging. Owen, you know who this guy is? Oh, perfect. Hi, Step on the mic, Owen. Where do you see me on Sunday? Come on. Hey, we need some witnesses. You've been on the show before. On Sundays, I see you playing the piano. Nice. Perfect. Nice. He's real. Hi, Mary. Do you have a favorite song that we've done? No. No? Just- <laughs> that was That was quick. <laughs> I was just, just shut down that conversation. <laughs> We're done. Well, at least we, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're welcome. There you go. Have a favorite song? No. You like Gethsemane. Okay, maybe. We did Gethsemane, and I know you guys really like that one, and then we did, um, there was another one that we did that just a few months back, and I can't remember what the name of it was. Yeah. We've done. Well, we did confirm that Ian can be seen at the taller. Right? Yeah. Yes. That's good. They know very I'm back there. Very okay. Important information. It's maybe invisible to the younger kids, but it I don't think the younger kids. I don't think the younger kids even know who's playing the piano. That yeah, exactly. No. Yep. <laughs> Gemma does. I will say my niece knows that I'm back there, and so yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. I I gotta hear one more story. One more. Okay. Uh, at least one more story before I go. I need to know what the once upon a time thing is all about. Okay. So, uh, oh, context, by the way. Context is that Ian filled out our show notes and then I texted his brother Yarek and said, What is Ian not going to write down that I've been asking <laughs> about? And he gave me like, like two pages full of messages. Very long text messages. He said, you have to ask about once upon a time. So he's so proud of himself for this. He's so, so. All growing up, how did it? How does it go? So, like, he we'd be watching a show, and my brother is just stupid, and so (laughs) (laughs) not stupid, but just oh, I know. Does he does the older brother thing where he just does says stupid things to just be funny, and then of course I I mean I never do that, so I never just say (laughs) stupid things. To just be stupid. So, yeah, that came out. Sorry, that came out way, way harsher than I intended. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, he would he would always he would always just say the same stupid joke where he'd be like, we'd be watching a show and be like, yeah, that guy, that's not really his bro. That's not really that guy. It's actually he died and it's his and it's his twin brother. His oh, twin the brother soap, the, the soap opera, the soap thing, opera. Yeah. It's, and I'm like, no, you're stupid. That's not what happened. So. He, I, I mean, he did this so many times growing up. And it was, again, it was the same stupid joke, right? So it was no surprise when we were, he had been watching. Have you guys seen Once Upon a Time? Did you the ever watch? ABC TV it show? It was like, yeah, it was like yeah. they mixed like Disney fairy tales yes. with like real world stuff. And so, yeah, so I think I watched, I don't think I, I think I finished the first season. That was it. Um, but anyway, he, 
were watching this and it was Prince Charming. And he, again, he tells the same stupid joke. He goes, you know, that's that Prince Charming. That's not really Prince Charming. He's actually dead. And that's his twin brother. And I'm just <laughs> like, no, Yarik, you've been telling that joke for 20 years. It's so stupid. Knock it off. So then we keep watching it. And sure enough, that is 100% what happens in that show. Oh, is man. Prince Charming is actually dead. And it's just his twin brother. What? And when we saw that, he died laughing. Oh, so he didn't even know. He was just no, throwing he it out there. No, he had been setting up this joke for 20 <laughs> years without realizing it. And then finally got the punchline. But just by this. And he thought it was hysterical. And he still wants to. He, he tells everybody that. That story. was his, his crowning like, moment. Yeah, he's just like, I, I had this joke prepped for 20 years. Because And then, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Then he'll, 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 he'll pass it off like he 100% planned. This joke to happen, he was like, no, I knew there was going to be a show Eventually, where, they, right? where, where they were going to kill off the guy and his oh twin brother was going to take the spot. And it just, it happened. It finally happened. He's so proud of that moment. And I was just like, I can't believe it actually happened. That's and awesome. So, I'd be proud of that moment, but I'm also the oldest brother yeah. in my family. So <laughs> oh, I just, it, everything, this is, this is hitting home too, because that's why you do us older brother, honestly. Yeah, I think so. It's just, yeah. Yeah, I've gotten, he tries, I, I've gotten better as, as because I, I know he definitely would get a rise out of me when we were younger. And that's, that's the fun of it. Like, right, when you're teasing somebody is to get that reaction. Um, I've gotten better as we've gotten older, older to not give him a reaction. I'm not always great at that, though, but I've gotten better. <laughs> he can still. I'm glad we asked about that. that yeah. Was, that was worthwhile. It's a good story. Um, yeah, Yarek, I mean. The broken clock is right every once in a while, too. So. Once every 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't have any more specific questions. Not off of I his... Ask about, I, we talked a little bit about how you met Aaron, but I wanted to ask, is, is there a meat story? And second part of that question is, what do you like most about Aaron? Um, well, I'll start with what I like most about my wife. So... My, I mean, my wife just sees the good in the good in people, um, where and she and she usually has a positive, has a positive attitude. So like, you know, we'll be on the we'll be driving and somebody somebody's like speeding down the freeway and I'm like, what a jerk! And she's just like, maybe he's bleeding and needs to get to a hospital. Maybe like, his toenail got know? ripped off. <laughs> um, yeah, toenail got ripped off or something. Yeah. So, um, like, she's just always got a good. She always sees the good in people and she, yeah, she, she gives everybody the benefit of the doubt. Um, like when people are struggling with, with something, she's just, she just, she's very understanding. Um, you know, I can see that because I I only see her on Sundays, but never once have I ever seen her frown. Yeah. She's, she's always, always like a hundred percent happy. Yeah. No, I definitely just talking to people who may feel this, this happens in every ward. You know, there's people that feel maybe they're not a part of the group or whatever. And every single person says that, Aaron Bartels makes me feel comfortable and welcome. Yeah. Nice. She's, she's yeah. always been that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She just, she always, yeah. Or I was happy that Aaron was there today. Yeah. Made me feel Which is so funny that she's, she's like that. Cause she's very, very much introverted. Mm. Like you guys ever see those like introvert memes? Where oh yeah. Like, yeah. And so like she 100% fits that bill where she's just like, why aren't you going to go out tonight? Because I have a couch and Netflix. Like, mm, why yep. would I not want to go? Like, why would I want to leave the house? Um, so she's very much like that, but then, yeah, she's, yeah, she's very warm and welcoming to, to, to people in the ward. And that's a good um, trait for a wife she, to have. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. 
sharing the home is a different story. Like it's, it's kind of funny that, that like being at home and like, she's very warm and welcoming, but she is also, because she's an introvert, she's like, this is my house. Like <laughs> <laughs> her space, um, right? She, like, yeah. She likes her space. Um, but she's, yeah, she's, she's, she's gotten better over the years to like, yeah, to continue that warm welcome. Like, I, I shouldn't say it like, I'm like, it's like coming off bad now. Like, no, it's a good always, thing. Yeah. She's always warm and welcoming, but she's getting better about like being able to share the house and yeah. Oh, it's spread that warm welcoming. I 100% sympathize with that because I think you can, I think we talked about this last episode, actually, you can be really social as an introvert still, Mm -hmm. but it it doesn't energize you. You feel totally. Yeah. And that's how it is. Yeah. And I think that I definitely see that like when we have guests over, she, she's fine having guests over likes when people come over, but then like once they leave, she's just like, I'm done. Like she's (laughs) finally, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she, her and her family always say like, yes, guest and fish stink after three days. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, oh gosh, my dad was just here for a week, a few months ago. So I hope he doesn't hear that, but yeah. Too late. <laughs> Too late. It's not getting edited out. <laughs> so, uh, how did, how did y'all meet? Cause I think you said it was a six month time frame. Yeah. So yeah. That's- so we first, I moved up to Oregon um, and like my first weekend here, there was a tri stake dance or tri stake uh-huh. activity. It was a whole day activity. Um, so we were out in at the Danabo Stake Center. Um, and we were getting ready for a square dance. And my brother had a friend that was just like, Hey, this is my friend Aaron. She needs somebody to square dance with. And so we were like, Great. So we we did the square dance. We didn't talk much, but like it was just awkward because square dances yeah. are awkward. And yep. <laughs> it was just awkward, but it was fine. And you know, um, I'd seen her at church a couple times, and then the the first time we got invited over to her house, um, it was um, again. My brother had a had a friend that uh, lived uh, lived around the corner from Aaron, and was like, "Hey, they're inviting some friends over. Want some friends over to come watch the duck game?" And I had not, I was not a a, a football fan at that time. Um, I had, and I hadn't even started at U of O, and so it was it was very shocking to see how much people get into the duck football games. And like for, for a family, like Aaron's family is relatively quiet. Um, but not when it's during a duck game, they, nope. they're, they're, they're <laughs> up and they're yelling and Aaron's mom runs around and high fives everybody. Every time there's a touchdown, like it was, it was like, it made me uncomfortable that first time that we were there. I was a little uncomfortable. I was like, Oh my gosh, these people are really into It's just a football <laughs> game. It's okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah oh no so i and i've definitely it's rubbed off on me i get because now i get that way during during football games um and so yeah i've i've grown to love love the oregon ducks but anyway yeah so we we were so that was like the first time hanging out come to find out she actually she she was the one reaching out to friend and um i don't even know if yarg knows this but yeah so originally she was kind of like she she had seen me and my brother at church. She was interested in the Bartels. Like she was like, I'm kind of interested in y'all. Kind of like, and right. And so she just wanted to get to know me and my brother a little bit more. Um, and then after we left that night, when she talked to when she talked to her mom, she was like, her mom goes, I like the younger brother. Like, not that they didn't like Yarik, because they know they know Yarik very well and they love Yarik. Um, but they were like, that seemed like that seemed to fit a little bit better, is what her mom was like, that younger brother just kind of fit a little bit better. Um, so, and I didn't find out about that conversation until we've been married for a couple years. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so, um, then we started like our first, like re- not real date. 
So it was really because I'm just an awkward person. And so it was awkward where I, I wanted to go see Les Mis. Les Mis was coming out to theaters. I wanted to get some friends together. And it just, it only, it worked out that it was just me and Aaron. And I didn't even have a car at the time. So she came and picked me up. And I didn't, when it, when I found out that it was just like nobody else was able to go and it was just me, Aaron, I did not clarify whether it was a date or not. Mm. And so it was a little awkward as we were like driving there and we're like, is it a date? It's not a date. Are we just friends? Like we were just like neither one of, and we're both kind of introverted. So we both were just like neither one of us wanted to bring up the topic. Very quiet car ride, but you're like freaking out separately. So so then, well then she, so then I'm like, do I pay for her? Do I not pay for her? What do I do? Like, I was just like, I think I'm going to pay for her. I don't know what to do. And before I could even do anything, she just walked up and paid for herself. So then I was just like, oh, it's not a date. Like right there. I was uh, like, okay, no. Just friend zoned. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and then, so no, so then it was like the first official date was um, she had been, she was working in the temple. And so I went up there one day with her. I went up there quite a few times with her and, and would do temple work while she was doing her shift. Um, and then I like officially asked her out on a date, which I was grateful. She said yes. And we went and we <laughs> went to Olive Garden, had dinner and um hung Ooh, out nice it was, yeah it was very good and so anytime we're it's the one right right near the temple and so anytime we're mm. we're over there i'm like hey do you remember that olive garden she's like duh i'm like yeah that's that's where we had our first date and and so that's and that's where it kind of took off yeah awesome that's a good quick story Is that a first date spot? Have you ever gone to Olive Garden and felt hungry by the time your entree came out? Is that it? No, yeah. By the time you have the soup, salad, and breadsticks, you're just like... I'm already with like 20 breadsticks. <laughs> probably dipping sauce. And then yeah. it's like, oh, well, I'll just take that entree home. Yeah. And I honestly, I think that was probably one of the first times I'd gone to Olive, Go- yeah. Olive Garden. I think I... I'm a burger person. Like I'll oh, yeah. get a cheeseburger good. anywhere. But yeah, so and my wife is she loves she loves a good burger, but she loves Italian food. Yeah. Um and so yeah, so where's your favorite burger place here in town? Reporting. Oh, I love um I love if we don't go there as often as I would like, but I love Dickie Joe's. Dickie Joe's, Joe's yeah. is amazing. That's a good good place. Have it's you so Yeah, I've had yeah, there. Perfect. that's really good. Have you tried the new killer burger? No, I get the I get the same thing. I'm so okay. Plain. So I, I I get a bacon cheeseburger no matter where I go. Like, okay, so you you've got to go try Killer Burger though. I just went there. The, am I gonna die? The, no, it's super oh, okay. good. Bacon okay. comes standard on every hamburger there. That's the way it should be. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So they have uh they have one called the Meathead, and it's 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 super good. I just went there for the first time like uh probably probably Saturday or something. Okay. Um, they just opened up. They're over by, uh, um, it's kind of by, it's on Coburg Road, P.F. Chang's. It's in downtown, but Right by the Portland Temple. Okay. I'm going to have to go check that out. Killer it's, Burger. It's really good. Okay. And it's really good. Yes. Okay. So it's, it's so it's going to be fat. It's going to be awesome, oh, right? greasy. Like, they have awesome sauce. Super good. Sweet. It's my new favorite burger spot. Okay. So. I need to go try that out. Yeah. You got it. I, I've tried this new place in Eugene called Bowen Vine. It's really good too. Bovine or Bow and Vine? Bovine. Vine. Yeah. It's good. That sounds yeah. expensive. It does. It's not okay. <laughs> it might just be bovine. Bovine. <laughs> um, oh, cool. I'm. I'm gonna bring this back in. 
Yeah, thank you. I, I could talk about burgers all day too, but um, well, let, let's end with our final question here uh, that we do every time. What do you think of Taylor Swift? <laughs> Take God. Oh man, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, if you listen to her, great. I'm not going to turn it on. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much better than that. Yeah. Like, there's so much stuff that I'd rather listen to. Oh, now we'll find out if Lexi listens to everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but for real, the last question: um, How has being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints helped you to better connect with the Savior? I mean, well, especially with with the with the new curriculum that we've we've had now for the last few years of the Come Follow Me curriculum. Um, I mean, it's just come to help me know truly who who our Savior is. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, I'm great. I'm grateful for the book of Mormon because that's just, uh, yeah, that's just been, there's so much testimony in there of, of the savior. And especially when he comes to the Americas and, um, is able to present himself to the Nephites. Um, it's, it's just a lot more detail about him pers like personally than, than we get, um, I mean, we get a lot from the Bible as well, but it was just, it was just, I, I, I love seeing him in those chapters, um, especially how he, the way he interacts with the kids and, you know, that's, that there's this whole like chapter dedicated towards him interacting with the children and, and bringing children to him. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, being a member of the church has been, um, yeah, just just learning about who our Savior is and um, how much He loves us, and learning more of, about His atonement and how to use His atonement, and how that it, it's not just for you know for my sins, but it's also for like my faults and my difficulties and you know things that I'm like the trials that I'm going through, and that you can receive comfort and strength um, through Him. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome. And uh, you guys both have, Josh and, and Ian, have younger kids that uh, probably are waiting. Hopefully they're asleep. They bet. Yeah. I uh, have no idea. Really no idea. have to get back home. So thank you so much for coming, Ian. Yeah, thank you. And Josh, look forward to having you on regularly as a guest. I'll be back. Thanks, Ian. No problem. This episode of The Connection Podcast. We're on most podcast carriers, so please like and subscribe. The show's art is done by Joel Boreen, and the music is provided by Drew Boreen. We look forward to connecting to you next time. Until then, take care. <laughs>